Blaze Radio Network. And now, Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. I can't get over this. A man who has served more than 34 years of a 400-year prison sentence has been released after the state of Florida reinvestigated the case and determined, ah, he didn't commit the crime. Oh, well, what was the crime? Armed robbery. Back in 1989, this man was convicted by a jury and sentenced to 400 years in prison. Prosecutors at the time asked the judge to sentence him to 825 years in prison. What was the crime again? Oh yeah, armed robbery. Now the reason for my recommendation, and I'm not saying for armed robbery at all, but it seems excessive. The, uh, well, the asking for 825 years and then sentencing him to 400 years in prison does seem excessive. The reason for the recommendation was that he didn't want the prosecutor at the time, Peter Magrino, uh, didn't want uh, him to be eligible for parole after 25 years if he had asked for a life sentence. <laughs> so Sidney Holmes, now 57, said that it's overwhelming that he has been exonerated. Uh, yeah, he has you know, like everyone in prison, as the joke goes, claimed his innocence from the very beginning. He was arrested in 1988 for allegedly being the driver for two unidentified men who robbed a man and a woman at gunpoint outside a store. So he was the driver. Okay. The two unidentified men stole the male victim's car. He was sentenced as a habitual offender since he had been previously convicted of armed robbery for two incidents occurring in 1984, which he pled guilty to and immediately confessed. So the CRU, the Conviction Review Unit in Florida, found that, you know what, there's really no evidence connecting Holmes to the robbery besides a flawed identification of him and the vehicle involved in the robbery. The CRU found that witnesses' identification of Holmes was, eh, it was misidentification. Oh, okay. Partly due to the photo and a live lineup practice, which was commonly used by law enforcement at the time, which uh, they claim are now scientifically unreliable. The state's attorney's office also found that uh, sheriff's office deputies who did the original investigations were shocked that he was sentenced to 400 years. <laughs> uh, yeah, you think so? Well, the new Broward County state's attorney said that we have one rule here, and that is to do the right thing. Oh, well, that's so special. It actually is in our man's case. Uh, he said that uh, our prosecutors, our only agenda is to promote public safety in our community and to ensure that justice is served. And so in 2020, Holmes contacted the state attorney's conviction review unit, claiming he was factually innocent of the armed robbery of the two people outside a convenience store. And that has been proven true. What's it worth? Well, he said in an interview he's living with his sister-in-law, which I'm sure is great. And he's working for her as well. Again, I'm sure that's great. Now, Florida has a law where you get $50,000 a year 
for being wrongfully incarcerated. That would be, I don't know, a million seven for my man, Sidney Holmes. But uh, the law that's supposed to provide the exonerees with that 50000 a year of wrongful imprisonment money, uh, yeah, you know what? Uh, it's a stringent eligibility criteria. So right now, uh, Mr. Holmes wouldn't qualify under the law because he has a prior criminal record. <laughs> so sorry about it. Uh, you know, we're looking into changing the law and trying to figure out, you know, maybe we can change it up a little bit. But for right now, yeah, we're just letting you out of prison and uh, good luck. God bless. Wow. Welcome. Welcome to Chewing the Fat. <laughs> And think about how lives have changed. The world has changed in the last 34 years. Uh, What's taken place in everyone's life, including his, but his was just 34 years in prison. Um, Just incredible. I can't get it out of my mind. I talked about it a little bit on uh, my Thursday hit with Brad Staggs over there at Mojo 5.0. It reminded me of a, a TV show. (laughs) <laughs> many things do uh, called Rectify I don't know if you've ever seen it it's well worth a watch it's called Rectify it's with Daniel Holden and he has to put his or Dan, you know this guy Daniel Holden has to put his life back together after serving 19 years on George's death row before DNA evidence calls his conviction into question and he's freed and it, I think there's four seasons of Rectify maybe three Yeah, four seasons. Uh, Aiden Young is Daniel Holden. He is awesome. Abigail Spencer is in it. Uh, Jay Smith Cameron is his mom. Uh, The brother, uh, Clayne Crawford. I mean, the family gets ripped apart. It's It's a fascinating study on what it would be like. It's called Rectify. So if you have a chance to catch Rectify, do so. Take my word for it. Uh, Like Susan. Uh, Susan sent me an email like you could do at chewing the fat at the blaze.com and her email read like this, Jeffy, a week or two ago, you were doing a segment on TV shows and highly recommended succession. I started watching the show at least a year ago, but stopped after two episodes, too much swearing, too harsh and edgy. I wanted to like it. Did you? But I said it aside. Well, after hearing you rave about it and knowing that I agree with you uh, about most things, TV, and having finished 1923 and a bunch of other shows, I gave it another try. Just watched the end of season one last night. The wedding. Wow. I was expecting maybe a leave him at the altar moment, but instead they went chapaquitic on us. Very unexpected and delicious. FYI. My husband is not interested at all in the show. Perhaps he needs to sit down and start watching it. As I'm watching, and it's always at the time where someone is using the worst language possible, he'll wander in and say, I can't believe you're watching that. LOL. Corrupted by Jeffy. Uh, You're welcome. Uh, Hubby needs to butch up a little bit. I know it's got some big guy language, but the end of season two. I mean, once you get through season two, it is awesome. <laughs> season three is great too. And of course we have, you know, the latest season coming up here. But the end of season two is 
awesome. I can't tell you how many times I've gone back and watched the final episode of season two. Really, really good. So the case against Buffalo Wild Wings has been thrown out. U.S. District Judge John Tharp Jr. dismissed the lawsuit on procedural grounds. The lawsuit said that despite, and we talked about this uh, the other day, despite Buffalo Wild Wings advertising, its boneless wings are slices of chicken breast meat deep fried like wings. Yeah, that's, uh, that's what they are. He claims in his lawsuit, this uh, Hylum, that, uh, I don't know if it says his first name in this stupid story or not. Well, not that it matters, but it's uh, Amen Hylum. A-I-M-E-N-H-A-L-I-M. So he claims that it's a clear-cut case of false advertising. And when I say he, it could be a she, could be a they, them, I don't know. Uh, whatever whatever the pronouns are of a man, a man Hallam, uh, you go ahead and you do you, okay? Uh, it's a clear-cut case of false advertising and should not be permitted. As consumers should be able to rely on the plain meaning of a product's name and receive what they are promised. He claims they, them, she, her uh, claim they suffered financial injury from Buffalo Wild Wings, false and deceptive conduct. (laughs) Uh, If he, it says a he in the story, so I'm going to go with he. If he knew the boneless wings were not, in fact, wings from a chicken, then he never would have purchased them. He also asserts that if Buffalo Wild Wings patrons knew the truth about the boneless wings, then they would not purchase them. Um, I feel like that's not true. (laughs) Uh, Because we know they're not boneless wings. Buffalo Wild Wings just calls them boneless wings. The chain has 1,300 locations, and they confirmed it. They actually confirmed it that, hey, wings are not in fact, our boneless wings are not in fact wings. They, the company proceeded to mock the premise of the lawsuit, and good for them. It should be mocked. They had uh, put out on social media, it's true. Our boneless wings are all white meat chicken. Our hamburgers contain no ham. Our buffalo wings are 0%. Buffalo. Good for them. So the case itself, again, got thrown out on procedural grounds. So the judge that tossed the case said that the plaintiffs failed to properly identify the parties involved, gave them until the end of this month, the 27th of March, 2023, to refile their case. According to this, they're going to refile the case. Just a waste of the court's time, in my opinion. I did get a tweet uh, referring to this particular case from at ML721721. I love at ML721721. Okay, Jeffy, I have a million dollar idea for all of us. We could bring a lawsuit against hot dog makers since they are not hot or dogs. <laughs> a genius idea at ML721721. All right, let's go to the break room. I need something cold to drink desperately.
Congratulations to Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, congratulations. Yeah, not that you don't need congratulating for being married to Blake Lively and actually having children with Blake. Uh, he just sold his Mint Mobile to T-Mobile for $1.35 billion. <laughs> Uh, congratulations. Uh, so in 2019, he bought a stake in Mint Mobile. So obviously he's not going to get the entire $1.35 billion, but he'll do okay. Uh, he sells, uh, which sells Mint Mobile, sells budget phone plans, and he starred in a series of ads for the company. I mean, he realized doing funny ads to monetize a company is a good way to get into the business world, and it worked. He also is the... CCO, the chief creative officer of an ad tech company that's, you know, part of other campaigns and projects that he's involved with, with Peloton and Match Group and so on. He also uh, had a successful sale of a Reynolds-backed business in 2018. He became the co-owner of Aviation Gin, which he sold in 2020 for $610 million. <laughs> now, uh, Metro... PCS in 2013 merged with Sprint in 2020. And then T-Mobile is betting that Reynolds, who will stay on in a creative role and his continued charismatic ad strategy, will help the company's now small army of budget carriers snag more customers. So anyway, all of that to just say congratulations to Ryan Reynolds for one point three five billion dollars for your cell company congratulations and another court case going on marvel studios is suing google and reddit to find out who leaked the ant-man and the wasp quantumania script before the movie premiered so we'll see how that works out yeah because wow did that hurt the movie i mean whew Somebody released the script before the movie premiered, and man, that really hurt the theater viewings of Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Know what I'm saying? Of course you do. All right, whippets, laughing gas. According to this story, it's hippie crack. (laughs) I didn't know that it was called hippie crack, but... Man, I have, uh, I'm going to talk to you serious now, okay? Nitrous oxide. Um, I have done nitrous oxide before. It comes in a little silver canisters, and you can put them into balloons, or there's a little device that you can put the canister in, and it cracks it open, and you just uh, inhale it from the device. Uh, I forget what those stupid thing is called. It's called a nitrous oxide canister cracker opener. Oh, okay. <laughs> So apparently, uh, it is now more dangerous than cocaine. Wait, what? That's what a neurologist has said. It is more dangerous than cocaine. Amid a dramatic uptick in young people experimenting with the drug. Now, it's been used recreationally for a long time. And in this story, they call it huffing experimentation. But I feel like uh, laughing gas, whippets, uh, nitrous oxide, that's not huffing. But if you use the whipped cream canisters to get the nitrous out of, that, I guess, could be considered huffing. 
because you're getting it from from the canister from the can itself uh and that doesn't work well to paint they got to be warm and you got to sit for a little while not that i've ever done it before <laughs> you get the most out of it if you keep them warm and don't shake them up uh until the time to use them because then everything rises to the top of the can anyway so apparently uh more people have been using it since the pandemic oh no um there have direct deaths from the inhalation of nitrous oxide really rare which is why you know they you know consider it to be kind of a safe drug but according to this long-term health problems can be caused by the drug nerve damage memory loss paralysis Okay. I mean, I know, you know, everybody loves the feeling and it's a great feeling, uh, from, you know, that temporary relaxation and euphoria from whippets. You get a heck of a whippet headache when you, when you're done after a while, just letting you know. (laughs) Now here in New York, anyway, I don't know about America, but in New York, they made it illegal to inhale nitrous oxide. So you can still buy it but you can't inhale it. Oh, okay. What were you doing right there? Oh, man, it was an accident. <laughs> I didn't mean to. Sorry. <laughs> man, if I'd have uh, I'd, uh, realized that doing that right there and then putting it in my mouth was going to mean that I inhaled it, boy, am I sorry. <laughs> Your Honor, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> and in New York, you can't buy whipped cream canisters if you're under 21 that's just insane but good you know it's all for the children and all for your health okay um he believe this doc who claims this is uh you know an epidemic uh, it'll never be completely outlawed well why not well they use it for whipped cream and they you know it's out there well we use a lot of things in america for you know our food and uh probably shouldn't be eating that stuff either but uh, I just want you to know, okay, that's all. I'm just I'm informing you. I'm not telling you to do it. I'm not telling you not to do it. I'm just telling you that right now there's a neurologist in New York that says it's a bigger health risk than cocaine. All right, so the next time you're cracking open a canister of some whippets or some hippie crack, and doing a deep inhale, just know, just know that you're at a bigger health risk than doing cocaine. Which is funny because I thought we weren't supposed to do cocaine anymore because it had fentanyl mixed with it that they're bringing across the border. So just be ready for nitrous oxide to be put on the list of things you can't do. It's not good for you. You should be doing it anyway. Okay. think there's a reward so if you see uh, Roy McGrath who has now wanted by federal marshals the U.S. Marshal Service uh, they have a wanted poster out for Roy McGrath he was uh, the chief of staff for the governor of Maryland Larry Hogan and he is wanted for fraud <laughs> 
Uh, he is facing a maximum of 100 years in federal prison for charges. He illegally recorded Hogan, stole thousands of dollars from the state government. And that includes more than 233000 from the Maryland Environmental Service, the state agency where he worked before his leading role in the Hogan administration. He falsified timesheets while on a European vacation. I mean, what are we just going to stop it? He falsified timesheets while on a European vacation. <laughs> uh, okay. And stole thousands of state funds to take classes at Harvard. That bastard. So nobody knows where he is. He was supposed to turn himself in. He was supposed to fly from Florida. He's got a home in Naples up to Maryland to turn himself in. And uh, the wife and uh, the lawyer. Yeah, we don't know where he is. Uh, I talked to him a couple days ago and he's, uh, we don't know where he is. We want him to turn himself in. So armed plainclothes law enforcement were there outside of his house in Naples, which is always good for the neighborhood to have uh, armed U.S. Marshals and probably deputy sheriffs uh, outside your house uh, looking to arrest the man when he shows up at his house. But uh, he's got to be found guilty of these charges. Right now, he is just, uh, these are just allegations. But the wanted poster is out there from the U.S. Marshals for Roy C. McGrath. Fraud converts to own use property of another theft in programs receiving federal funds and falsification of records in federal investigations. So if you see Roy C. McGrath, you probably should turn him in, but I would, you know, you can double check and see if there's a, if there's a reward for turning him in. He had to surrender his passport and any weapons and his wife surrendered her gun, according to the records. So we still don't know where he is. He was supposed again. He was supposed to fly from Florida to Baltimore this past weekend, and he's, you know, missing. So if there's not a reward, I mean, you should turn him in anyway, right? Of course you should. Okay. So who died today? Who died today? Bobby Caldwell, the uh, soul R&B singer. And songwriter had the big hit back in the 70s with What You Won't Do For Love. Uh, had the voice and musical style adored by generations. He died uh, with his wife at his side um, at the age of 71. He was uh, at his home in Great Meadows, New Jersey after a long illness. So Bobby Caldwell, dead at the age of 71. Then... We had Joe Pepitone. Joe Pepitone is added to the list of who died today. You remember Joe, a Yankees all-star and a favorite of generations. He was 82. (laughs) Uh, He was living with his daughter in Kansas City, Missouri, and she found him on Monday. So uh, he was 82 years old. He was suspected to have had a heart attack. Don't look at me like that. I just know his daughter found him like that. I know what you're thinking right off the bat. And they don't, they don't say this, okay? They just know he was 82 and he, they suspected he had a heart attack living at his daughter's house, okay? It has nothing to do with what you're thinking about. So stop thinking about that. <laughs> Joe Pepitone, uh, dead at the age of 82. That, speaking of the Yankees, though, uh, I see where there's a story that uh, 
the New York Yankees are one of two teams, the Yankees and the Cincinnati Reds, who make their players pay for Wi-Fi on their jets when they're flying to games. And Major League Baseball is on the road, you know, almost the entire year, it seems like. And uh, so apparently they have to pay, they have to shell out if they want to, uh, you know, use the Wi-Fi on the plane. <laughs> I know that, I mean, it's a pretty sweet chartered jet. And I guess, you know, they have, you know, poker tables and other stuff on the plane. It's not just your ordinary, you know, seats across the, you know, seats on each side kind of plane. But, I mean, it seems pretty chintzy that they wouldn't be paying for Wi-Fi for these players. And I know, I get it. They make a lot of money and they can pay for their own damn Wi-Fi. It just seems ah, a little chintzy. And I see a headline today that's kind of interesting. Uh, Pat McAfee could walk away from a $120 million plus FanDuel deal. Now, the Pat McAfee show is on YouTube. It's a daily show. It's, I don't know, two to four hours a day. And I like it. I watch it when I can. They just had Aaron Rodgers on yesterday. Aaron said he wants to play for the Jets. It's not him holding up the deal. Had uh, hundreds of thousands of people watching live. Pat usually gets between, I don't know, 30 and 50,000 people watching live uh, his show every day. And I like it. And they, they stick to sports. And during the football season, it's awesome. And he does, uh, you know, color on college game day. And he's done some college football. And he was on the sidelines of the championship games and stuff. It's some fun broadcast. And I like his team. They're, uh, they're fun. And, uh, you know, he's being sued now. We talked about him being sued by Brett Favre. Just a silly, stupid lawsuit there but i think the only reason that pat and pat's famous for saying you know things are in the work and you know he's always going to announce stuff it would, wouldn't surprise me if i was thinking about this well that's silly why would he walk away from the FanDuel deal he's the, that that's a great deal for FanDuel, and it's been a great deal for pat uh, despite the you know i mean 120 million is a lot of money but it's like 30 million dollars a year four or five year deal and it's uh you know it's good good for both parties what I was thinking, though, is that he is, uh, he hasn't been back to the uh, WWE. He has been doing the college game day, which I think will probably continue. But I think that they want to get him involved in the NFL. He's a former NFL punter. Uh, he's a former NFL player. He has relationships with the NFL, and he believes that it's the man sport and loves the NFL. Okay, that's the real game is the National Football League, and that's the way he bases his show on. And it works, and it's great, and it's a lot of fun, uh, in particular during this time of year when all the trades and free agency is up and during the season. If he is going to start doing stuff for the NFL, he may have to give up the deal on FanDuel. But he may work it out so that his team, because they do a couple of betting shows on the YouTube channels there, uh, tied in with FanDuel, that his team would be able to do it and wouldn't be, you know, they would have to uh, not talk about it when Pat is there because the NFL wants to, you know, they're going to, they're letting the ads in and you're able to talk about betting and gambling, but you can't have anything to do with it. So it's kind of a strange line. That's the only thing I could think of that would make, uh, the FanDuel deal fall apart. And so we'll see. Uh, you know, it just uh, seems strange that he would walk away from the FanDuel deal when it was such a good deal, unless he's moving on and continuing with college football 
and the NFL. Because right now he has nothing to do. He's not affiliated with the NFL. He bought the rights to play clips uh, from the NFL. And he's such a big proponent of the NFL. And yet they're such kind of hands off with him. And so it's a weird, weird situation. There's no doubt about that. But I can see if he comes on board with, I don't know, doing Thursday night football uh, with Amazon tied with the NFL or doing uh, something else with the NFL as the as the mothership that he would have to give up the FanDuel gambling deal to do that. And so they'd have to make it worth his while. And guess what? The NFL has the money to do that. Walking back from your house, walking on, walking on the moon. You see where the moonwalking astronauts are going to have the sleeker, more flexible spacesuits. Yay! That come in different sizes when they step into the lunar surface. Uh, I don't think they have fat guy seating, so they're not going to have fat guy suits. <laughs> They don't need them. They probably need different sizes for male and female, though. Yeah, that's what's happening right there. So I know that uh, the company that uh, is designing the next generation spacesuits, Axiom Space, said it plans to have new versions for training purposes for NASA later this summer. NASA awarded Axiom Space $228.5 million to provide the outfits for the first moon landing in more than 50 years. The space agency is targeting late 2025 at the earliest to land two astronauts on the moon's south pole. So we'll need a a red carpet walk before then, Axiom. Let's get it on there. So they modeled the new spacesuit or, you know, what they're thinking about, what's the, you know, the prototype, the dark spacesuit doing squats and twisting at the waist to demonstrate its flexibility. The company said the final version will be different, including the color. Yeah, this is just the, this is just the mock-up and this is what we're thinking about. This is where we're almost at. And so we're, look, we want to, want to show that we're spending a little bit of the $228.5 million to design these outfits. Okay. So back off us. We're going to get it going on for you, no problem. And the astronauts are going to look great. And they'll be different sizes and different colors. And it's going to be just stupendous, okay? So, people, 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 keep it moving. I mean, the SpaceX suits were made by Elon and NASA. So, now we've hired this company, Axiom, for $230 million, $228.5 million, uh, to bake these new suits when SpaceX had the new suits for their astronauts. I mean, Elon talked about making those and being a part of the form-fitting one-piece suits as the plug-in to the capsule seats. So, well, these are for moonwalks, Jeff. They're not just for sitting down in the seat and flying in a rocket. Okay, these guys or gals or thems or theys uh, are going to be walking on the moon. So they need different suits. Okay, that's what Axiom is doing. They're providing different suits 
for people walking on the moon, okay? So shut up. Okay, okay, okay. I was just wondering. And now I can't get that stupid song out of my head from the police. Walking back from your house. Walking on, walking on the moon. I'll stop. <laughs> if it's in your head now, sorry about it. Okay, so we talk a lot about airline safety, and we know we have the safety summit coming up. At least that's what they claim because of the close calls and uh, airplanes dinging each other on the tarmac. Well, a former Delta pilot and president of the Airline Pilots Association said several incidents over the last three months uh, came close to resulting in tragic accidents and have to be addressed. We can't wait for a tragedy to fix it. Oh, wow. That was Lee Moak, who was the pilot for Boeing 767 planes and uh, served as president of the Airline Pilots Association. He went on to say that the industry is racing to meet training requirements required to bring furloughed employees back and certify its new employees on the flight deck at airlines operations and maintenance facilities. Um, since COVID lockdown, safety leadership has been fluid at best. And now FAA has been without a permanent administrator for nearly a year. Yeah, I mean, this administration, holy cow. So the FAA, obviously the Office in Charge of Aviation Safety, has had an acting head for a year. And uh, so we'll see. I know Billy Nolan is the guy who's the acting FAA administrator. But you need somebody in there that's going to take the bull by the horns, no question. And he calls on the government to work closely with airlines, controllers, and pilots to ensure the aviation safety takes a greater priority, stating that we cannot assume our commercial aviation system can just pick up where it left off in 2020. So let's get to it. Let's hop on it. Okay? Let's make that happen. Speaking of Delta, though, I see where the uh, tech tycoon, Steve Kirsch, uh, offered a woman $100,000 to take off her mask on board a Delta flight. So let me ask you a question. If you're listening to this and you're, you're a mask wearer, would you take it off on a plane, the mask that is, <laughs> for $100,000? There is, I don't know what it is I wouldn't do for a hundred thousand, but wearing a mask is certainly one of them. I'll tell you that. So he had tweeted out, I'm on board a Delta flight. Now the person sitting next to me in first class refused a hundred thousand dollars to remove her mask for the entire flight. Wow. Uh, apparently she works for a pharma company. He posted a selfie that showed him smiling on board a full flight, did not disclose where they were going. Um, uh, he said that, uh, and Steve Kirsch, if you don't know who he is, he's credited with designing, coming up with uh, the first versions of the optical mouse back in 1980. He's worth, I don't know, a couple hundred million or something. Good for him. So he's on this plane, and he said he started off at 100 bucks. <laughs> uh, you get your mask, you take it off for 100 bucks. No, not 100, they reached $100,000, and she wouldn't do it. Now, apparently, she had taken it off to eat. Because he put a longer post out that said she took off her mask as soon as the breakfast was served. Because everyone knows you can't be infected while you're eating. Yeah, no kidding. 
Maybe next time I'll sit next to someone who had an account at Silicon Valley Bank. Boom, boom, boom. Thank you. So a lot of people calling him a creep. And uh, uh, no way. Uh, He's just trying to get this lady to not wear a mask and trying to understand why she would just wear a mask. You're obnoxious. You're an arrogant fool. Maybe so. But Steve, if you would like to give me a hundred, I probably, I probably would have done it prior to him getting to a hundred thousand. Like he would have went up to a hundred thousand for a hundred now, but I may have even done it for a hundred. Yeah, sure. A hundred dollars for this flight. Buy me a ticket. Tell you what. So I would have gone up to probably what, what's a ticket? A thousand bucks. Uh, so, but for sure I would have gotten some money from Steve, but he went all the way up to a hundred grand and she still wouldn't take it off for the duration of the flight. Wow. Uh, good for you. Good for you. Good for you. Okay. I'm torn on this story. I know, you know, we, I make the argument humans first. All right. Three hikers have had their legs broken by baboons. Now, apparently the baboons pushed these boulders over a cliff as these, this group of men were climbing the rocks, okay, in uh, South Africa. So I guess the baboons became agitated when they saw the seven men, you know, climbing the rocks in their territory. So as two hikers, you know, rappelled down the ledge, uh, the other five came under fire from rocks. Three hikers had their legs broken and had to be rescued by a helicopter. So apparently these baboons started throwing rocks down and the rocks shattered and sheared pieces of the rock went into these guys' legs. All right. Now they covered themselves and they called the one guy got a call out and the rescue helicopter came and took the injured humans out. And I guess the baboons had moved on. So the other four guys, you know, hiked out of there. Now they claim that these baboons, uh, can't throw overhand, but they throw underhand and they get pissed and agitated when you're coming into their territory, which is why they started throwing rocks. Now, as I said, I believe humans first, but these guys were kind of in the baboons territory and the baboons didn't kill them, although they could have now baboons, man, the Cape baboon, that's one of the world's biggest monkeys can weigh up to like 80 pounds and four feet long. Now they got something with their shoulder where they can't throw overhand. Their blades are at a different angle to their ribs than humans are. So they could, they underhand throw things, but they're strong. And so they just picked up these rocks, these 130 pound rocks, and slinging them over the side. <laughs> now, you know, these hikers aren't going to be armed, right? And by the time the help got there, the troop of monkeys, which could be as large as 50 or maybe, you know, more. I mean, they go after leopards. That's how they eat. But they could have really attacked these guys. But they didn't because I think they know humans first. So it's good that that happened. They just threw some rocks down the side like, hey, this is our space. Don't be coming around here. (laughs) That's why I'm torn because they didn't kill anybody. They did harm three humans, but they didn't really mean to harm the humans. They just threw some rocks over the ledge, warning you don't be coming up here. This is Cape Baboon space. Back off. And so I'm kind of on the baboon side here uh, a tad, but if they would have attacked, uh, well, if they'd attacked worse, well, they were really trying to kill 
these guys, then we need to put them down. Humanely, of course. Humanely, of course. Uh, you know, just send some people out and start climbing up those walls again and start calling for here, little Cape Babooney. Here, little Cape Babooney. <laughs> One down. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.